to the Justin Insight Podcast. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer. I am a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Um, I'm going to keep the intro quite short and sweet this week as it is uh, now 1am on a Tuesday morning and I'm very tired so I'm going to skip my weekly roundup and get straight into this week's episode. Um, We are having WWE pay-per-views coming thick and fast at the moment since the brand split um, and we have now arrived at WWE Extreme Rules. Um, Once again I was joined by my good friend and Justin Insight regular Callum Millwood to discuss the highs and lows of the show. Um, and as always, if you haven't seen uh, Extreme, Rules, Extreme Rules yet, uh, this conversation does contain spoilers, so you have been warned. Um, anyway, please sit back, get ready to go extreme with us as we discuss everything WWE Extreme Rules, and I will see you on the other side. <laughs> So we have another WWE pay-per-view. They're coming uh, thick and fast these days. So that means another uh, discussion with Justin Insight regular and Weather State guitarist Callum Millwood. Welcome once again to the Justin Insight podcast. Callum, how are we doing? All right, mate. I've, I've nice re- to speak again so soon as, as, as you know expected these days with the schedule. Yeah, well, as I mentioned to you before, like during the week, I... I'd kind of missed a couple of Raws and I completely forgot that Extreme Rules was kind of even happening. So I had to to go back and catch up on storylines a little bit. But um, as as always, we'd like to kind of start with how how we perceive the, the pay-per-view in general. So what, what did you think of Extreme Rules overall? I thought it was actually an alright show, to be honest. Um... There were some questionable matches on the card, I think, and some results. But uh, apart from that, I thought it was a pretty solid uh, pay-per-view going into it. Um, well, definitely a more memorable one as of recent pay-per-views. But I think this is uh, this wasn't that too, but wasn't too bad to be honest. Yeah, mm. I was quite chuffed of it. I think the the part from as I say because I was a little bit removed from it because as I say I kind of hadn't really been keeping up with Raw just because I've been so much else going on like work-wise and other things I just hadn't had the time so for me it was it was okay but it wasn't anything kind of spectacular obviously we'll get on to the the main matches and everything but I I think it was just a solid pay-per-view there wasn't kind of anything that screamed out about it but I think this is the the trouble we're like we're having at the moment because of the brand mm. split. There's just so many pay per views, and I think I don't know. It, it's becoming a bit of overkill, but for me personally, I don't. Do you do you see it differently, or are you just enjoying the amount we're having? Um, I I think it's it's becoming harder for there to feel like there's more special matches going on. I feel like um, I understand the business behind the this amount of pay-per-views with, um, with, with the brand split. Mm. Um, but I do, I do, I think it's, yeah, I understand to some extent why this is now becoming a problem for them. I guess, I suppose the more casual fans and, and it's also affecting the big fight feels yeah. so often now. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's at the moment I'm holding in, um, <laughs> yeah. but it's, I, 
we'll have to see where it is in a year's time I think because obviously we're it, we're within the year of the brand split I think maybe WWE might knock down the schedule a bit but it's hard to kind of keep it even between the yeah the brands I guess if like, if we start cutting out pay-per-views and obviously we've got the big fourth to play around with as well so it's yeah I don't know like, um, it's at the moment I'm sustaining it anyway. <laughs> yeah, just cool. um, so we'll get we'll get into Extreme Rules itself. Um, did you catch the the pre-show? I actually didn't. Right, <laughs> I okay. Do, but I've I've completely missed the pre-show on this occasion. That's cool. Well, I'll, I'll chat about it for a little bit. So the one thing that I wanted to to bring up first off was um, obviously you have all the the spiel with Renee and whoever she's got in her little studio, but when they introduced the commentary team, because uh, David Otunga was with Renee Young, um, and Michael Cole said mentioned, obviously, that David Otunga was back on TV sort of thing. So he said to Booker T, oh, it's great to see David back. Um, Booker T's re- response was, yeah. That, that, was, <laughs> that, was literally, that was literally it. So good old Booker T with the, with the classic commentary as always. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I don't know who's worse, to be honest. I know. <sighs> to be fair, like there was some there were some things that Otunga was saying on the pre-show, and it's like, oh god, I haven't missed you. But then, like you you listen to to Booker, and it's like, oh, is is Otunga really the lesser of two evils kind of thing? But I I don't know. So I I think I prefer Booker's kind of outbursts. Yeah, that make no sense. I prefer that. Over um, vanilla, boring David Otunga comments, <laughs> yeah. but some of the stuff Booker comes out with, it's just like stop, just stop talking. Yeah, like, I know what you mean. Because it's got nothing to do with anything, and you're just spouting words for the sake of it. But um, yeah, I don't know who's worse, to be honest. <laughs> but um, on the pre-show, obviously, that it was kind of announced last minute, but we had uh, Kalisto against Apollo Cruz, which was. A rematch from a couple of weeks ago obviously there's been this kind of weird feud going on with Cruz and O'Neill against Kalisto um, obviously I know you, you didn't get a chance to, to watch it Callum but if I just kind of skim over the, the sort of points of it I've really, I really enjoyed it because I think you forget how good uh, Kalisto actually is because I think he's been put in a position where he's been made to look really weak and you forget how, like obviously he was US champion for a little while and obviously he did a couple of years back that the money in the bank match he did that nuts um Salida del Sol off the ladder to one of the Usos so it was nice to see see him get a bit of a showcase um and he did a wicked like uh, so it's hard to describe like without seeing it but basically Cruz was on the outside of the ring and he kind of jumped over the rope, but then springboarded off the second rope and did like a 450. It was fucking sick. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was nuts. So it was kind of like going back to old Kalisto, which was really cool. Um, again, I know we've discussed this previously, but Cruz is just still not doing it for me. Like there was a couple of like bits where he showed that he's got the potential, but he's still like even though they've put him with Titus O'Neil now, he's still like the smiley, happy-go-lucky guy. And it's just like, if you're going to put him with Titus O'Neil, I think he should go full heel and embrace like the, the kind of coach that Titus is trying to be. But um, 
again, I know obviously you didn't see the match, but what what would you like to see for for these three guys in general? Because I personally would like to see Kaliso go. Also, yeah, go. On. No, I was gonna say. Um, I was gonna say. I'm I'm quite enjoying, <laughs> in a weird way, what um they're doing with uh with Titus and um and Apollo. Like yeah. it's, it's it's a weird I it's a weird mix, but um I think what they are gonna do is they are gonna turn Apollo full heel. But I think the the story they're trying to tell here here is it's like the progression of how his personality is changing. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be a black and white heel swerve or anything like that. You know, um, I think, you know, <clears throat> what, how they're going to tell the story is, um, is, uh, Titus pretty much brainwashing Apollo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I, I quite enjoy that. Um, I think this is probably the most interesting his character has been. Um, I think they should keep him the smiley guy. But at the same time, he feels like he's doing like everything right. But the reality is, he's being brainwashed here. Do you know what I mean by Titus? Yeah, I think that's a good way forward. And I think, to be honest, it's probably I feel like it's the most refreshing thing they've done for for you know for him. Um, it's, I, I you know I agree that I don't I don't think he's close to being great at the moment, and he's still very green. Um, his wrestling's amazing. It's just the issue is um you know giving him that that edge of his character. Yeah. Um, I don't think this will be blowing the house off anytime soon or breaking any glass ceilings, but I feel like this is kind of a, a good tie over for the, both of the guys in mm. the meantime. Um, well, the thing that I was think... quite interesting was the crowd were kind of really behind the whole match. Like it, it was a really good match for, I know we keep saying this, but a pre for a pre-show match, but I think because it was two guys that, not necessarily a forgettable, but they haven't really been having that much to do as of late. Like, I mean, I think the last thing we kind of really saw Kaliso do was the whole thing with Braun Strowman, and that was sort of he, he ended up obviously being get, kind of get ragdolled around a little bit. Mm. Um, but this is kind of again, as I mentioned, it kind of showcases what Kaliso can do. And I've personally always been a fan of Titus. Okay, his in-ring ability is quite limited but it's just such a presence that you you can tell that WWE have wanted to do something with him for quite a long time and as you mentioned like even if it is kind of like, kind of like brainwashing or just kind of like I don't know just playing with Cruz to get him to to go to a more evil side then I'm I'm kind of on board with that and I think Titus plays that kind of coach role better than he does as a wrestler if that makes sense yeah i yeah i definitely agree with that um it's, it's a bit weird, of a weird spot for kalista though i'm now he's been beaten twice was it be, i think it's twice i could be completely wrong there um oh. well he, anyway he, they've had a rubber i feel like they've had their rubber band match with um with with this situation anyway um i don't know what's next for kalisto you're right like kalisto has had some pretty big highlights for his career so far, but he's never really had that full momentum behind him. Mm. I know they strapped a rocket to him after that. Uh, that was it. I think it was TLC when he did do that massive yeah. Del Sol. Um, and then you know he did held he held the title for over a hundred days. He did well. Yeah. Um, and he even had uh, a, a great match with Del Rio on the pre-show of all things. I think, do you remember? It was like a um, oh, yeah. two-hour three falls, or it might have been like an Ironman, short Ironman. I can't remember now. But um, uh, 
he he's proven every time they throw, even throw him into these bad situations, he can actually absolutely perform. But it's just um, it's just a bit of a I don't know where to go with what you can do with him. Really, I think the the Strowman stuff was interesting recently, and this is arguably interesting. But I don't. It's it's hard to almost define Kalisto at this point. That's um, the thing. Like personally, I'd put him on two hundred five live because I think we'll get on to that a bit later. But obviously now what's happened with the cruiserweights I think I know they're trying to build a brand around obviously the, the guys they've already got there but it's it's shown if you bring established people into that brand people are going to buy into it and people know what Kalisto can do so I think if you shove him in there then it give it kind of gives him something to to go for again rather than just being this lower to mid card guy that has decent matches but then will again fade away into the background and not be seen for a while. Yeah, that could be a great set for it. It's been it's been a bit blurred lines with the the shake uh, superstar shake up in terms of what the, who and who can't be in the two of five division or whatever. Yeah, because obviously you remember after the brand split last year um, when the cruiserweights began uh, on Raw, they were, had a segment with like Sin Cara. He's, he's like, I'm joining the cruiserweight division. I'm here, and yeah. then, and then he he has one match, and then you never see him again. And then <laughs> yeah. he's got he's obviously been moved over now um, to SmackDown, which is obviously nothing to do with the cruiserweight division. And he's having normal matches yeah. and stuff. So, do you remember? I think it was a few few months ago. It was um, Titus versus uh, um, Sin Cara on uh, on Raw. I think it was just a normal Raw match, and I think the whole point in the segment was. Braun to come down and kill one of them um, but that's what I mean that was the point where I was like hang on Titus and uh, Titus and Sin Cara are having a match you know aren't, is, aren't, isn't he part of this yeah, yeah. vision and then it was just like I feel like if they did that with Kalisto it's going to be a bit harder for him to get out of that division if they do want to use him elsewhere I think they see him at, as an asset um, outside of the Cruiserweight division but I do feel like he would be a great player within that division if they do run with that yeah um, I obviously we'll get onto it later. Um, I'm not sure who else you can put at the top of the card in 205 Live at the moment. So I think he would be a good asset at this point. Um, but there's also a lot of guys they haven't really touched on in the Cruiserweight division at all from the Cruiserweight Classic last year. So yeah. um, I think there's there's still blows to do with it. It's just it's not being executed that well right now. No. So it's all, at the same time, it's almost... It is... You know, he is pretty well protected if he just stays on the main roster as well. So it, I don't know. It, it's benefits to both, really. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing Kalisto in that division anyway. Yeah, I think it'd be because obviously you always can kind of tell when they're either doing like a Mexican tour or something like that that they kind of put someone in the limelight. So I think Del Rio is a prime example that I think. When he first came, obviously, I think the first time they did a Mexican tour, he was the world champ sort of thing. Um, and obviously, they've had like Rey Mysterio and stuff like that. They've always kind of had a, like a Lucha Libre or someone that's in that kind of ilk to obviously get that that kind of crowd in. Um, so that's why I think like if you put him in 205 Live and make him a prominent figure of that brand, then you kind of open up to another audience because 
you you see it with kind of um, the crossover that New Japan have with um, CMLL, like when they bring in like Dragon Lee and things like that. That okay, they've already got like an established Japanese audience, but you get the Latino audience tuning in because it's their guys that are on New Japan, and the same with like when Ring of Honor use those guys. So I think if you put put Kalisto on the two hundred five brand, make him in the main event picture then WWE can kind of cash in on uh, an audience that may have kind of drifted away a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's all, I, I all hypothetical, really, isn't it? This, it I, I think it's, it's a dangerous game just because no one really knows what, what they're going to do in the long run right now for 205 Live. Yeah. Um, I know that their plan is to have this show there permanently and the Cruiserweight division. But we, obviously, because it's so new, we don't know what they're going to do with, um, I guess, the guys coming out of the vision once they've done all they can in there. Yeah. Like, who's to say, like, in a year's time, will Neville still be Chris Wade champion? And if he isn't a champion, what else can he really capitalise on in that division? Does he then just start wrestling with the main guys again? And, you know, you, you know I don't know. We'll have to see the long-term plans for everyone in that division um, once they've done all they could in it. So yeah. uh, I think Kalisto, for now, would would probably squeeze it nicely it's just i don't know what what they would do yeah <laughs> like beyond that that's the issue <laughs> yeah. um so if we get onto the the main card itself and the first match that you actually watched so yeah, yeah. um we go for ic title opening up the show uh miz against dean ambrose um i thoroughly enjoyed this i'm not the biggest dean ambrose fan but I think every kind of wrestling fan that's been watching WWE over the last year to year and a half knows that Miz is just absolute money at the moment. He's arguably one of the top top people at, at WWE. Like, not ne- like people still criticise his in ring work, but his character and everything about him is just sort of phenomenal. Um, and the, I just thought these two worked really well together. That I think. I questioned the kind of stipulation going into it, but the way they they played it and teased it along sort of throughout the match, I thought worked really well. Um, what did you think about? I, yeah, I thought the um, this was a really good opening match. I thought it was, um, uh, you know, I, with um, with the Miz, I feel like he 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 with his reign coming to the end of last year, I really did think. Um, uh, he was arguably the best he's ever been in his career. Um, I think a lot of people have been on the same page with the Miz along in that kind of run, and he's done a really good job at legitimising the IC title again. Yeah, um, he did a fantastic job with that, and um, it, it was it was a weird decision to see them put it back on Ambrose after the Miz lost it. Um, for some reason, I don't know how. Um, Ambrose gets away with these massively long title reigns without actually <laughs> yeah. defending the titles. Um, so yeah, no, um, I guess Am- Ambrose held it for over a hundred days, um, and he also, um, obviously, he's he's one. Of, I think under WWE's acknowledgement, he's the longest reigning United States champion to date as well, yeah. and he only defended it about three, four times, <laughs> yeah. which is mad. Um, yeah, he held it like almost a year or something yeah it was ridiculous wasn't it yeah um but so yeah um i feel like even outside of miz being that icy title 
uh, sorry, the, that IC champion, he has still been almost like pushing the um, the fact he's done so well with the IC title on him. And it's almost now weird to see when the when that championship isn't on the Miz now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost weird because he, it, them two go so well together, the championship and the Miz. Um, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he ties Jericho's record or breaks it um, for the most title hold, um, most most held championships with that title. Whatever. Yeah. Because um, what? But yeah. Because what's Jericho's yeah. record? Is it nine? It's nine, and yeah. he's now on seven. Yeah. So he's sneaking up fast. Um, but yeah, I thought the match as a whole, um, really, really good opening match. Um, I liked, um, you know, there was some really good. I guess, you know, misplaced the chicken shit heel perfectly, like, yeah. all the time. Um, but I liked the bits where, you know, Ambrose did tweak his knee early on, they played on that, they did a good figure four, and then Ambrose did his own later on in the match, and then obviously we got to the point where we saw Maurice with the slap, asking uh, the Miz to slap, um, slap him, and, um, oh, sorry, Miz asking Maurice to slap him. Yeah, that, I thought that uh, was absolutely genius. Yeah, really clever. I thought that was it at that point. I was like... Yeah, that was great. But um, then shortly after, she's ejected by the ref. Miz shoves Ambrose into the ref. Uh, the ref takes his <laughs> awkwardly takes his sweet sweet time getting <laughs> yeah. into the timekeeper's area, um, rather than straight up DQing. Uh, and that's when it, you know they, what they could have done there is the ref could have you know done something boring like consult with the timekeeper's area and then just DQ him anyway. But um, they actually. Which was quite interesting. They they just let um, Miz hit the skull crushing finale and then pin him clean. Yeah. Um, well, when I would say clean, there's obviously distractions there. Um, but I'm glad Miz is the new champ because yeah. just I think he's just a lot better um, with that title. Um, I'm not sure where they go with Ambrose from here, but um, I, I I do feel like this was um, a clever ending, but questionable. Um, it wasn't executed as well as it could have been with the ref, I think, but. Um, I liked all the kind of story, the story going throughout the end of the match there. Mm. Well, so I think going into it, I didn't really get how the stipulation was going to work because for, for one thing, someone uh, pointed this out to me. Obviously, it's the the event is called Extreme Rules. So yeah. how like to have a, a disqualification stipulation in an Extreme Rules thing just didn't really make much sense. But... Um, yeah, it's just like I I get that obviously later on it kind of made sense with Miz sort of trying to trick his way to get Ambrose to be disqualified, and there was obviously a few moments kind of early on where Miz was sort of like baiting sort of Ambrose into into almost being disqualified. Um, so as a whole, I think it did like the stipulation kind of worked, but obviously I kind of had my my reservations about it going in, as you mentioned, the the kind of the ref doing a very leisurely walk around the the ring, saying to Ambrose, "Oh, I'm I'm going to disqualify you. You you nudged me," sort of thing was a bit was a bit weird. But one of the notes I made is, as I mentioned, like I I don't mind Ambrose as a chaser, but as a champion, he's just dull and boring. And there's been it's been a long time since I've enjoyed watching Ambrose in a match because I think he, even his move set isn't that exciting. But it, like 
I think him and Miz kind of played off each other really well. And there was a couple of spots where they were kind of reversing each other and things and it worked really well. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush to see them two go at it again, but if there's obviously going to be a rematch at some point. So after seeing this, I'm kind of more invested in, in that storyline than I was before with Ambrose being, Oh, well I'm the cool champion kind of thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, I I agree. Like even with um, uh, Ambrose as the WWE champion last year, um, that reign didn't really feel like it, as good as it could have been. Um, I think you're right. Like Ambrose is a good uh, like underdog kind of chaser for the title, but once he's got that the belt, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of feel that invested in him. I do understand his money's worth being a champion. He is a very popular guy. Yeah. Um, and I get that completely. I just, he does, I think, it came, I guess that came across in that Stone Cold podcast. He's a bit too comfortable with being a champion. Um, so he's, I don't feel like he's at his best as a champion, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I think what they've done with the Miz now is the smartest thing they can do with him. Mm. Um, I, I just keep it on him forever for now, you know. I think I'll be quite <laughs> yeah. happy with that. So, um, I, I I guess we'll see, in, in, you know, a rematch coming up. But I hope I don't think I'll put it back on Ambrose no. anytime soon. Anyway, no. I think as well the the thing with Ambrose is if they are not necessarily because I think they'll finish this feud and then Ambrose will kind of sneak his way back into the main event picture at some point. And I think if they do, they're obviously eventually going to put a belt on him again at some point. And just to make him kind of more investable, I guess, is just to have like a really hot feud with someone. And I think that's what he's kind of missed, is that he's kind of had sort of bit feuds with people. And I I think the closest we came was when he like when we had the, that kind of shield three way between obviously like Reigns, Ambrose and Rollins for the title and obviously Ambrose came out on top because I think a lot of people didn't think he would so I think that was the the closest we've kind of come for him having like this really big hot feud but I think that's that might be what he needs for people to be like oh okay yeah he's a legitimate champion rather than he's just this wacky guy that's got a belt sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, he could treacle back into that top spot. Um, I don't know what, I guess we'll, we'll see. Obviously we'll discuss it more in depth later with the fate of five way, but um, the guys coming out of that, I'm not sure if Ambrose can really <laughs> yeah. go with anyone. You could go with Bray again, but Bray, we've, Ambrose, I feel like we saw it a lot of yeah. like in 2015. Um, not sure, really. Uh, we'll have to see. It, I don't. Know, I don't really know the long-term plans right now. But um, I reckon for now we'll, we're going to see some re- like rematch. But I don't, hopefully, hopefully nothing really goes on there. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of, in a way, hit the nail on the head because I think for me the the whole pay per view kind of felt like this as well. Apart from the main event, it kind of almost felt like a bit of a reset as well because you don't like, as you say, we don't really know where anything's going at the moment apart from the main event picture and and to an extent the women's title as well but everything else just kind of felt like 
oh, we're, we're, we don't really know what to do with these guys, so we're going to we're gonna do this, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. obviously, we'll talk about the other title matches and the directions they're going in, but it's, it's kind of like the guys of Raw have gone like, we oh, don't know what to do now. We'll start again, sort of thing. Do, 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 do you feel like that at all? Yeah, I... Yeah, I feel like we got a lot of that on this pay-per-view, um, for better and for worse. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this is just, the, uh, with Raw, it just feels like the booking's usually like this anyway. So yeah. it's, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, but going forward with the IC title, it's a bit of an open kind of thing, really, beyond Ambrose. I, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, odd ones, we had the... <laughs> Very strange mix, <laughs> mixed tag match up next. Um, that was a good segue, right? Th- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is Sasha pissed off? What, like, that's all I can think. Like, why has she gone from being a three times women's champion? Like, this is no disrespect to Rich Swan, but to tagging with Rich Swan, like, I, I, I don't get no how. Disrespect, but why? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get how. Like, because Alicia Fox was kind of always kind of part of that two hundred five family in a way. Like she was, she's been there from almost day one with Cedric Alexander. But now all of a sudden, like it's almost because like they've gone. Oh well, we need another woman. Let, let's grab Sasha, sort of thing. And I don't know, like. I don't know if it's because she's prone to injury, so they don't want to put her in the high spots as much at the moment, or they don't because they've got Alexa. They don't want to pull the trigger on Sasha being a heel. It just feels like she's completely lost in the women's division at the moment. So this was the only way of getting her on the card because even Nia Jax had a bit of a an interaction on the pre-show where she said she's going to go for the women's title. So. That knocks Sasha down even further. It's just I I just don't get her positioning at the moment. Mm, yeah, it's 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 so yeah. It's it's hard to put your finger on whether they're doing this out out of spite or she's pissed off someone or I I feel like it's more leaning towards that they probably want to try and get more eyes on the two or five product. So this is why they've kind of brought in Sasha there with her not doing anything right now. Yeah, and. If you look at obviously at two hundred five live, um, there's no there's no obviously women's division or anything like that, and I don't think they will be bringing in one anytime soon. Um, but if you're going to put Alicia against someone who's kind of like not got anything going on, um, why not bring in Sasha? But obviously because there is no women's division, that's why we'll, we'll do well, that's why we will do this mixed tag thing. Now when they decided to let Sasha lose clean the other week on Raw to Alicia Fox. I, I think my immediate reaction was, this is just bullshit. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck just happened? But, um, uh, you know, I know obviously they did the rubber band and Sasha won. And then we, we're now at this, uh, this obviously this pay-per-view. And, um, you know, it was nice to see Swan get this massive pop in his hometown. Um, uh, but apart from that, I got really no notes on the match itself. I don't think the match, the wrestling itself, was that any good. I think, no. I think, I think the way I'm done Swan together. They, I think they're they're good. You can tell there's good. Um, they've they've worked together a lot recently, so there's good um 
stuff going on there. But Alicia's just so inexperienced considering she's been there almost 10 years. And it's just, you can tell when she's, it's just not that, she's not a good wrestler, no. I'm afraid. Well, um, what, the one note I um, made of her was that she's just all arms and legs. Like, that's yeah, literally yeah, think, all I, she's got. I've heard that criticism too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's pretty flaily. Um, but it doesn't help. It's just there's there's an awful build here. Um, it's it's weird how Alicia is treated as the second tier title on 205 Live. Um, <laughs> see what I mean? If they, <laughs> it's, it's weird, isn't it? But um, <sighs> there's so many question marks, like why they did this. But I think I think it's because they want to kind of get more eyes on 205's product. Um, and Sasha's not doing anything, so that's why they put her there. Um, yeah. I could be completely wrong. She might have just really pissed off someone. Um, but I, this wasn't this wasn't worth the time, really. It no. was, you know, this could have been pre-show. This could have been just on a raw match in itself. Do you know what I mean? And then we could move on or whatever. But <laughs> I'd see Sasha in that title picture again, considering her, you know, her stature and yeah. stuff, and like what she's achieved. Um, but. It's, it's hard for her to kind of get away from this. It's a it's a weird time for the women's division, I think, um, on Raw. Um, it's so you know, it's it's I don't know. Like anyway, this match was I think pretty short and sweet, and nothing really great happened there. Minus that um, Sasha's double knee to yeah. I think that was probably the only kind of spot worth talking about. Um, beyond that, you know, I guess the faces won, and that's it. I'm just bored of um, Vince making people dance whenever they're tagged with <laughs> yeah. Rich One. So, um, yeah. We talked about this, I think, when they did it with Tozawa. And yeah. I was like, just don't make, stop making Tozawa dance. Stop. No. But, yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say, really, on this one. There's nothing really going on. No, to be fair, I think you've kind of covered it. As the only kind of two notes that I made was, obviously, Sasha's double knees to Dar was, was pretty good. Um, and... Swan's uh, Phoenix Flash was was pretty cool. Um, pe- quite a few people noted that Rich Swan actually won in his hometown, which kind of goes against all WWE rules. But holy shit, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. So that that was obviously one thing. But the w- one thing that I thought I don't I could be completely wrong. But was this Noam Dar's like first big pay per view, or has he been on? I can't think of him being on any other ones. I was thinking that, actually. I was going to say, I think this was his, this is his pay-per-view debut, I guess. Yeah, um, so that was quite a cool thing, because for, for being someone that's seen him back on the indies, it's like, it's nice to always see, like, a, a Brit guy kind of make that, that step up, and they've obviously, I don't know, they obviously like Noam Dar, but, like, I know he kind of plays a bit more, like, a bit more of a comedy character, but he he can wrestle and he's got the ability and he's still so young. Um, so they've obviously kind of want to do something with him later on down the line. And they're obviously building a character into him with, even if it is the, the fact that he's Alicia Fox's boyfriend, but I guess it's a, a position for him and he, that's all that matters. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, that might be why they're doing this as well, is because I think they're seeing Noam as an asset outside of, um, uh, I guess, within the British wrestling kind of scene-ish. Yeah. Like, I know, obviously, they picked him up, and he, I think he, he's arguably done better stuff, well, definitely done better stuff on the UK Indies. Um, yeah. 
but um, I know he's doing a show for ICW. Yeah, Pink Party's back together. Um, I'm surprised, w, obviously WWE must like ICW um, quite a lot for them to, to allow him to do this. So he can be an asset outside of WWE. Um, I know, obviously, I think he's the only guy to have been, been able to do this outside the UK guys. So that's that's quite nice. Um, but yeah, um, I think, I'd, it's, I just hope they can kind of keep the momentum going with no, I'm I, d- I really like him. I just don't feel like he's done anything that exciting since he's t- turned up, really. So, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where. <laughs> you know, again, it's the second to title, like Alicia Fox, and <laughs> she. I, I don't know who she'll be with next, but that, no. I don't know who the next hot feud really is for him. No, no, I, I agree. But um, if we move on slightly, we won't go to a match next because we had the presence of the Drifter. <laughs> who I for some reason I hated him on NXT but now that he's showing up on Raw I fucking love him like I don't know if it's just the fact that he, he's a little bit different on Raw and they're kind of because I think when he obviously came into NXT as the Drifter he made his debut at um, uh, TakeOver London and the match he had was just awful like it was just <laughs> The, the crowd wasn't into it. I remember, like, because I, I was there and I just remember it just being over and I was like, oh, is that it kind of thing? Because I, I can't even remember who he was against. It might have been Bull Dempsey. Um, but, yeah, it was just a really forgettable match. But now, obviously, I know he had the, the thing with Dean Ambrose, but and then he obviously had the squash match on Raw last week. So... They're kind of doing a, a bit of a Strowman that they're kind of building the character, letting him squash people, do his weird songs, and just let him be. Um, I don't know how what longevity it's got, but I'm interested to see where it goes. So, I are you an Elias Sampson fan? I am. Um, he is one of the few things that is a legit hill magnet, and. Um... And that's that is great. Like you know, um, the amount of heat he gets is, you know, great. And he's not. He doesn't just get uh, get it from, you know, uh, the casuals. It's like he even pisses off the guys who are really into their wrestling. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the difference is this time is obviously he's come up for NXT now. Even though it was a brief time there for him, um, I think there is more money on his character on TV than it is in NXT with the hardcore fans. Um, yeah. I think the casual viewer is going to be like, oh, that that drifter guy. You know, they could, they are going to understand that more so than they would uh, if he's in NXT or anything. Um, and but it's a bit different because someone whose gimmick is that they're bad at something usually are the guys who will get squashed to fuck. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if, yeah. Especially if they're heels. Um, so like, you know, I. It's great that he's. He, I don't know if he's a genuinely bad guitar player or a bad singer, <laughs> yeah. or if he, he deliberately is kind of singing badly. Or I've noticed his guitar is always slightly out of tune, so that always helps. I don't know if that's like the science behind his character, or if he's just not that. <laughs> you know what I mean? If yeah. he's just uh, if he's just not that good at guitar or whatever. Anyway, but um, it's it's a bit different in the sense they are now giving him wins, um, uh, which is quite good, I think. I think it's refreshing, especially with someone 
with that much heat behind him, I yeah. think it's only going to benefit him in the long run if they if he keeps getting these wins and then he's just like, um, you know, getting booed out of the building still. Um, I think, I reckon in a few months' time we might see him around the title picture. Yeah. Not like a major title, but like I guess the IC title or something like that. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's early days for him at the moment, but I, I really enjoy what I do with him. Um, what they've been doing with him. But I do feel like it was a bit of a weird place for them to do this on a pay-per-view. Um, yeah. That that was strange. I feel like this is definitely more of a Monday Night Raw thing. Um, <laughs> um, I thought he was going to have a match and it just didn't happen. So, I um, did as well. I thought it was just yeah. going to be a, a, another squash match, but there, there wasn't and we, we kind of moved on. But look, one thing I, do, I want to touch upon, which you've kind of just made me think, obviously going back a little bit to to what's next for Ambrose I'd kind of like to see Samson and Ambrose kind of go at it because you, you've kind of got the the drifter and almost the guy that looks a bit like a drifter sort of thing so I think them two could be a, a quite a good sort of mid-card feud going to for like a number one contenders sort of spot at the IC title or something later on down the line that would be quite cool yeah, um, I'd like to see Ambrose and Elias maybe do a bit more work. Um, he'd probably get a good rub from it, but then it depends how much what how, what they want to do with Ambrose, I guess, going forward. Yeah, um, I think they, he'd be good with him. Um, Elias, the Miz and Elias, I wouldn't mind maybe, um, but then that's what two heels working back to back. Yeah. Um, uh, he's been, oh, I guess we end up with Kalisto in a couple of weeks or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, Poor Kalisto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really digging what they're doing with him currently. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try and make another another smooth segue. Speaking of squash matches, we have <laughs> we have the women's title match. Before we get into the match itself, I'm going to just ask you a general question. Did you understand the gimmick? Uh, the kendo stick on the pole gimmick? Yeah. Um... Because, well, the reason I ask this is because Michael Cole said several times... The first person to grab it can use the stick legally. Yeah. So who was the first person to grab the stick? Well, I think it was Bailey, wasn't it? Or yeah, it was Bailey. Yeah. So therefore, in the terms of what Michael Cole's saying, Alexa Bliss can't use it. Yeah, that's why I had assumed as well. So for me, the whole match makes no sense. <laughs> Oh, this is a, it's a shame. This one because this is matches I've seen this year on pay per view. You know, yeah. it's um, it's a bit it's a bit of a funny one. Um, it's it's weird because it just just happened, didn't it? It was gone. It, it started and it was over. Um, I think literally within sixty seconds they had got that stick. Um, yeah. So there was no storytelling there. Um, I think Bailey looked weak early on because. She'd fallen for the trick that 
Alexa said, oh, just go get the stick. And then she was like, oh, I will. And then obviously the reaction to that is Alexa beating up Bailey, <laughs> yeah. um, trying to get the stick. Um, so that was look, made her look stupid. Um, the, yeah, the fucking stick came down. Um, and then within, within like, you know, five minutes, the match was about five minutes long, I think, or something like that. Um, and it, all it was was just, uh, was just Bailey getting welled on by a candy stick, wasn't it? Yeah, which some of the shots looks very rogue. I've got got to say, like, there's one where it looked like she got it kind of around the back of the head because one like on a like on the shoulder and things like that. So <laughs> Alexa was giving it some some welly, so to say, which is fair, fair play to her. Like she committed to committed to the squash. Yeah, it's um, yeah, uh, I think. Bailey did all she could here, I think, and it's not no fault of her own. Um, I feel like they could have given the match more time. Uh, they probably didn't have to do the um, Elias bit beforehand. Yeah. Um, to kind of benefit that, um, I thought. Um, yeah, it just it. I don't think it was anything good, and I'm really concerned for Bailey's future now because she's had a lot of these kind of dodgy, on and off pushes since she's debuted on on the main roster. She was one of the four horsewomen that everyone wanted to kind of see come up after everyone else had. And uh, sadly, her push hasn't been any good. And this, I don't think, I think this could be, yeah, this isn't, I don't, I, I can't think of a worse kind of run that had like a big flop of a push yeah. really. Um, and I'm just hoping they do kind of capture that moment again for her. But right now it's a bit, you know, I, what she she looks like shit at the moment. <laughs> you know. Well, I, th- I think a perfect metaphor for Bailey at the moment is a bloody entrance. Like, ev- like yeah. th- there was, th- I think there was like four of those inflatable tube men that just didn't go up, and I think that was just kind of speaks volumes to to the way that her kind of run goes. Um, but something that you you mentioned then, Callum, which just kind of again just sprung a thought in my head is obviously. The women's revolution, quote unquote, that kind of happened, kind of centered around obviously the four horsewomen. But if you look at the positioning of them all now, the only one that's kind of in a strong position is Charlotte. And the, the rest of the women have kind of almost overtaken them. I mean, if you look at Alexa Bliss now, when that whole thing was happening, she was nowhere near the title picture. And now she's the first ever women and uh, sorry smackdown and raw women's champion and just doing fantastic things i mean like okay this match wasn't the best for her either because it was just her smashing bailey with a kendo stick but again we saw kind of the facial reactions that bliss can do and it, it kind of i guess in a way made her look like a stronger champ but then on the flip side you look over at smackdown and arguably two of the best women on that roster at the moment, uh, Naomi and Carmella, who, again, go back a year or so, were nowhere near that kind of women's title picture. So it's interesting to see, like, where those four women all are now. Yeah, um, if you... If I had a case of most improved wrestler of the year, it would be Alexa Bliss, hands down. Oh, yeah. Because if you just look... To where she was in NXT, just 
floating around my boy Wesley Blake Murphy. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, so you know w- when she was lumped with them, I I saw absolutely no no potential of anything with her. Um, breaking her off, taking her to the main roster in the in the draft last year was arguably the best thing they you know they've done for her, and um, she's been she's got a complete rocket strapped to her at the moment, and I I think. I do feel she should be the women's champion currently, but at expense of being very tough to watch. Um, I feel like on paper these two could have, you know, some amazing matches. Um, but early on, we've seen, you know, back to back. Now we just watched the worst kind of Raw segment of the year, and then going into arguably the worst pay per view match of the year. It hasn't been good for either of them really. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. Yeah, I've, it's weird to see you know the state of the four women currently. Um, I feel like they do kind of need to legitimise that a bit again. I think we'll see uh, Sasha kind of moving to that title picture probably in a few months. But it sounds like what's next will be Nia, um, which is quite interesting considering Nia and Alexa had formed like a little kind of like friendship alliance a, f- a few weeks back you know yeah. so and we haven't seen Nia since but um it i guess that's where they're going i think ba- that's it for bailey and alexa right now um but and i know it hasn't been that pretty but it's, it's hard for bailey to pick up the pieces more than alexa right now so mm. um I, if they, it sounds like they're trying to make Nia face or something I, I i didn't watch the pre-show i don't know what what how she was responding to her questions and stuff but um to, to be fair, yeah. I was kind of half paying attention. I just knew the fact that she was there, but I don't. I don't know if it was be necessarily turning her face, but I guess we could just kind of have to wait and see what they do with it. Really, yeah, it was a shame these two matches back to back. Like it was, it was early on was pretty a big downer. Really, um, yeah, I, both matches there was very little to say about them. They both ended very quickly, and it was just like. That was it, really. You know, yeah. um, hopefully moving forward, they they will pull the trigger of Bailey more. So I just hope this isn't kind of the end of her push, really. Yeah. Um, well, as you say, this is where kind of things, in my opinion, started to, to pick up a little bit more. Um, so we had the steel cage match for the Raw Tag Team titles between uh, the Hardy Boys and uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, I honestly thought this was probably going to be match of the night, but I think... That's because in my head, I thought I was still seeing the Hardy Boys from the early 2000s. <laughs> There's no, no disrespect to them at all, but I think this match kind of highlighted that they can't necessarily do all the stuff that they used to be able to do. Um, I think some of their movements, especially Matt's, was quite laboured and things like that, but that, that happens with age, and the, the guys are still incredible for how long they've been it been around the business but um i enjoyed this match i think it was quite a slow burner the ending was a bit weird but there was weirdly even though it was in a cage it was a really solid tag team match and there was some really good tag team wrestling like throughout i thought like the more sheamus and cesaro together the better they're getting as a unit rather than just being two good wrestlers um there was there was some weird kind of double team bits that they did do which looked a bit odd but i think you can tell that their chemistry is getting stronger and stronger and stronger um and 
admittedly, I'm I'm one to hold my hands up. But I didn't think that they'd last long as a team at all. But now I think, especially now they've put the belts back on them, there's legs in what what they've got going on, and especially now that they're a, a heel team as well. Um, so yeah, what what did you think of the match? Uh, yeah, um, I I am also a big fan of what they're doing with uh, Cesar and Sheamus at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I what you mentioned. If you told me a year ago that they'd be doing this well together, I wouldn't have believed it. But um, they really are really finding their feet now properly, um, especially as uh, you know the issue was they were one of them was kind of face, one was kind of heel before that dynamic, which they did tell us a good story with. Um, but I think they've. Since they kind of become a full hill team now, um, they've really, really started finding their feet. Um, touching on what you said about um, Hardy's kind of not being what they used to be, especially with Matt, I think that's not really a discredit to Matt not being able to do that. But I think he's just—it's just how he's adjusted his wrestling style as the years have gone over. Yeah. You know, he's not—he he was the lesser of the high flyer Hardys, and when he re- obviously reinvented himself a few years ago, he stopped kind of doing that and became this kind of um, all-rounder. You know, he does a lot of obviously scary spots still, but um, I think he's obviously if you if you look at like you know the argument is with a lot of like veterans is like going to kill yourself, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think I think a good wrestler. To, to, to kind of turn to of like people who have adjusted themselves perfectly well and gotten themselves over is Matt Hardy's wrestling yeah. style. I think he's absolutely done perfectly with that. Um, and I understand, especially with um, the Hardy Boys gimmick back in full effect, it's hard for those kind of older fans to kind of get adjusted to that. I think, yeah, um, especially through like rose tinted glasses like yourself and stuff. But um, yeah, this match was uh, I thought was really really. Good. There's some great storytelling here. Um, uh, I again, I really liked the chemistry of uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, and like seeing them bust out moves. Like, um, well, I think at one point they did that, like a Celtic cross, like a double Celtic cross. Like yeah. Sheamus obviously used to use that as his finisher. But I think if they did stuff like that, I wouldn't be like against them using that as their finisher. Like, you know, if it shows off like their chemistry a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think there was a bit of a dodgy white noise from the top row. <laughs> yeah, um, that's exactly uh, the spot I was I was on yeah. about. But I think um, I, I love the bit where obviously the um, uh, Sheamus and Zara kind of sandwiched between the ropes and the steel cage, and then the Hardys just wailing on them, and then the, the crowd are just shouting "delete" <laughs> yeah. on top of the voices as well. That was all great. Um, uh, I the thing is with these kind of tag steel cage matches is I really love the concept of them um, I, I think there's a great potential use of storytelling there where you know if one person escapes you're essentially leaving your tag partner behind and to fend for themselves so I'm surprised they don't do it more often to be honest um, I think it's really clever storytelling um, doing those kind of stipulations um, but yeah it, it was a bit of a weird one again the rules kind of up in the air because uh, Jeff you know, climb the the cage back in, uh, which we saw this amazing um, uh, whispers in the wind from from the top of the cage. Um, but this is it. Like people's kind of I'm in an iron because it's like, well, Jeff got out first, and then Matt escaped following that, but it didn't count because Jeff's now back in the, the cage. Yeah. 
the ending of Saudi was a bit weak, but I thought the match as a whole was pretty strong, really. Um, I thought there was some really good stuff going on. Um, I, I think it could have been better, but that I think that kind of sadly kind of put a damper on the match. I, I think Seamus and Zari winning the titles, um, I think that's the smartest thing they can do at the moment with them two. Yeah. Know? I feel like it was a smart choice to do. No, I agree. Like I think... The, that was kind of my issue with the match was the the whole kind of it wasn't clear whether the fact that obviously Jeff re-entering the cage meant that he it kind of cancelled out him climbing over sort of thing um, but I just wanted to kind of touch upon a couple of other spots obviously you've already mentioned the obviously the crazy like whisper off the uh, whisper in the wind off the top of the cage um, there's a couple of sort of poetry emotions where um, Seamus and Cesaro were squashed against the cage as well um, but there's a couple of escape spots which are, are, made me feel really uncomfortable so the first one was obviously Jeff dangling on with one arm and that was obviously ended up with him getting out in the end but there was a couple of times when Matt I genuinely thought he was going to crack his head open because <laughs> he, he was hanging up upside down out of, like, out of the cage and Jeff was trying to grab him and obviously, like Seamus and Zaro, like had him safely, but like the the aesthetic of it looked like he was going to fall, just fall for head first. And there was also I can't remember what happened now, but there was a bit where he was on the top, and so I can't remember who hit him. It was either Seamus or Zaro, and just like knocked him clean out, and he dangled <laughs> back in. And again, it just looked like he was going to head plant, and I was just like, he's literally going to kill himself. So. Kudos to to Matt Hardy for selling those spots super well, um, but yeah, I think the unfortunately the the ending did put a, a little bit of a dampener on it. I'm interested to see what they do with the Hardys now because obviously the whole kind of the argument has been they they're this nostalgia act since coming back at WrestleMania, obviously. A lot of people want to see them go full broken hardies, but whether we're going to see that anytime soon in WWE is still got a massive question mark on it. Um, Sheamus and Cesaro, were, I think, were the right angle to to win this because if they hadn't, then they're kind of in a dead space as well. So I think again, kind of going back to to the Miz and Ambrose. We're inevitably going to get a rematch. Um, that could lead to the Broken Hardys. I don't know. But, again, it's positioning of tag teams and, and just people in general at the moment. This is what I meant with the whole kind of restart button is do you keep the Hardys as they are as this kind of nostalgia act? Or do you kind of try and not necessarily bring the Broken Hardys in, but trying to to rebrand them in a, in a different way that I don't know to suit the WWE yeah it's a, it's a funny one because um, I think that's what a lot of people would like to see is um, the Broken Hardies but I, a lot of people are enjoying the fact they're kind of teasing it still um, I know obviously there's a lot of legal issues with the, the gimmick um, so I, I, this is it I don't think we'll see it anytime soon so it might, they might be in limbo until then I think we'll see more of um, you know, it's way. Too, I reckon it's way too soon to see full proper um, broken Hardies. Um, I feel like they almost need to um, just, you know, 
hash out the nostalgia for a bit more and then um maybe later in the year if, if things cleared up we'll see that yeah um another another kind of route they can go down is once they're kind of done and done what they can with with the hardys um you know breaking jeff off as a singles competitor there's a lot of money in that they, he's a big asset to the company still um so they can do that if they wanted um obviously the concern is leaving matt in the dust but i feel like um if they do a full broken gimmick with matt without jeff there um uh and you know pursuing a singles run elsewhere i think that can still work you know um, matt can be his own entity yeah as proven past few years so that could be great um but again it's all timing and legal stuff and all that nonsense but i feel like i know they're really excited to kind of get their nose kind of stuck in with a whole new roster of tag teams um and obviously the first is what we've seen with jameson cesaro here um we will probably see the rematch um but i'm not sure who you could lump the hardies with immediately mm. um Maybe they'll rubber band the titles for a bit. Um, maybe we'll see it back on the Hardys at the next, or Great Balls of File, or something along those lines. You know, um, that could happen. But I can't see who Seamus and Zaro would defend their titles against now because they, like, you know, the issue with the Royal Tag Division is we've seen everyone fight everyone a million and a hundred times. Do you know what I mean? It's just um, you could put. Then I'd love to see the club back in the mix, but you know, we've seen Seamus and Zaro at the club a lot. Yeah, I like. I like to see. You know, you could argue, oh, we can put Enzo and Kaz and give them their first title reign. Obviously, they've got a whole other storyline going on currently. But, um, uh, again, we've seen that a lot on TV. Um, the Revival's coming back, hopefully, soon. So, that would be really exciting if they do that. Um, but, again, because they've now made Shazara Hills, we probably wouldn't see that. Um, yeah. Them in the tag picture. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see Revival Enzo Cast coming up. Um, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with the Hardys. I, mean, I guess they're going to slap the rematch on them. If you look at the tag division, I think that's what they'll do next. So. Yeah, it's the thing. Like the the Raw tag division, and obviously the the massive heartbreak that was the breakup of the Golden Truth as well. Oh um, my god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not really a lot there. Like as you say, we've seen everyone against everyone. Um, I don't really like everyone's kind of saying that the whole Enzo um, Cass and Corey Graves and the revival thing is is leading to an Enzo Cass breakup um, but then that just leaves the tag division even thinner than it already is so as, a, as we've mentioned I think the, the short term solution is do the rematch the long-term solution I, there's just for me at the moment i think you just to kind of save face because they've got more heel teams than face is put the belts back on the hardies and have the hardies go against maybe like the club or someone i don't i don't know but it's they maybe they need to bring in or have to make a new team somewhere down the line just to kind of fill that void Yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of anyone who they could just lump together. Um, yeah. Uh, especially face. Well, I guess they need face tag teams more importantly at yeah. the moment because um, uh, it is just the Hardys and um, 
and I guess Enzo Cass, but they're I don't know if they I've, yeah that's that's gonna be a big problem if they break them up. Um, I don't know who who we got. Um, well, even um, NXT don't have any really at the moment. No, um, can't really bring anyone out. I guess they would have to form some kind of team. I don't know. I could boggle <laughs> about this all day. But... This is true. Well, we'll. We'll move swiftly on and we'll get on to uh, the Cruiserweights uh, submission match between uh, Neville and Austin Aries. It's obviously the third attempt that Aries has had at the title. Um, I didn't think this was as good as, as the previous two, but still, it did a lot of storytelling. It was still a really good match. Um, I'm... I'm intrigued that they kept the title on Neville because, again, going back to the whole kind of restart button kind of thing, this was obviously the perfect opportunity to finally put the belt on Aries. But I'm glad they didn't because I'm absolutely loving Neville as a champion. Um, I think there's a lot of options for him to kind of continue on that that path. Um and just maybe like dominate the division for maybe a year as champ. That that would be quite interesting because then it kind of solidifies the the two hundred five brand a bit more. But um, yeah, I th- I really liked this match. I thought the fact that Aries went for submissions early on was really good. They kind of told the story of the Rings of Saturn against the Last Chancery, um, and Neville being the sort kind of chicken shit heel trying to get away from the last chancery at every opportunity and the the callback to the kind of payback spot with him grabbing the ref um i thought was really good so yeah did did you enjoy this as much as the other two did you think it was better or how how did you perceive it yeah i mean i really like this one um it's i wouldn't say it's if it's not my favorite one it's far, not far behind one of the last two i think yeah. they're all very much on par with each other currently I think the Mania match was great. The only kind of thing that bothered me was it was on the the, the first match to kick off show. Yeah, it was an amazing it was an amazing showcase of like what they could do. Um, I've loved the, you know, this you know the end. Despite the ending of the last one, I think that was a very clever way of them telling that story and further the feud. Yeah, with the um, you know, the the ref grab from um, uh, payback. Uh, this time. Um, the submission stipulation, I think, only really enhanced um, what they're doing with the cruiserweight division, because obviously everyone often, you know, stereotypes the cruiserweights to be these flippy guys, and then having this kind of stipulation obviously grounds all of that. So I'm glad they did that. It only helps both men, and um, uh, you know, I think that's great for the division to see that kind of dynamic coming out of there. Um, it's not necessarily about, you know, the, the, obviously there is those flippy moves, but it's, the, it's more about just the weight class than, you know, the, the kind of wrestling you will see. Yeah. So I enjoy that a lot. Um, so like, yeah, the, you know, they start coming down the ring. I don't, I don't even think WWE know what entrance music they're going to be playing for Austin Aries anymore. They do like <laughs> yeah. a short version. Um, so they played the short version, but they had the Titan Tron black and then realized, oh, shit. And then the, the name pops up and they're like, oh, uh, you know. So, yeah, I I like the I like, I like the, the long one. I like the big kind of. Yeah, I intro. do as well. Um, but yeah, uh, but um, 
you know, I think there was really good promo package going into this match. Both those guys can a great interview. Um, and there's a really, really good story being told here. Like, especially with Neville kind of bragging that he's been Aries twice, but both times it's obviously been like a big question mark yeah. because of his like chicken shit tactics. I, I loved the selling, um, in this match in particular. I think, I think it was Aries early on was selling this like leg injury and like near the end, he was selling a shoulder injury as well. Um, and he just looked absolutely beaten down. Yeah. And it was great. And I think these two together are so good. Um, I have to give you, I feel like he'll be holding the title for a, as long as possible. I think he's only going to race the bar with that division the longer he holds this. And it's going to feel so significant when he finally drops it. Mm. Um, I think Ares is a great guy for him to drop the title to, but it's, it's, I know they can't do this forever at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Um, I feel like, even though we've seen this three times now, I still want to see loads more from these guys. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of speculation is what will be a great way to finish this is an Iron Man match as a decider. Oh, I didn't even um, think of that. I think that would be great. Uh, I don't know if they will do that, and I don't know when. Um, we'll have to see. Um, and it's quite interesting, because they still even haven't even pulled the trigger on TJ Perkins yet, so... Um, that kind of element to their storyline. It's all very clever. Yeah. I'm really liking what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Neville's obviously promising a shot to TJ Perkins at some point. So when's that going to happen? Um, who knows? And maybe TJ would cost Neville the title early on. Who knows? But we'll see what happens there. Yeah. But going back to this match, I thought it was an amazing match. Really good storytelling. These two, these two guys are great together. I love the finish as well with um, Neville only hitting the red arrow when he absolutely needs to. I think that's a great storytelling and great um, kind of heel tactics as well in terms of, the, I guess, the um, you know trying to try not to give the crowd what they want, the big spots, but only pulling out when he absolutely has to, if that makes sense. Yeah. The big high, high flyers. Uh, hitting the back and then going into last round three. And I, I really liked how... Um, how Ares tapped out. He didn't just like, you know, rapidly tap out. He just lazily tapped his hand. It's just the way he looked at the ref in his eyes and just sh- shook his head and says no more. Yeah, you know I mean, I thought that was great. It wasn't. It was just like he was done. He was broken. What was it? Um, so I thought that was great. You know, I thought the match style was really good. As you mentioned, obviously, like the the one thing I picked up on, as you said, was that kind of like the selling of of this match as well, and like just the the storytelling in general. But there's one point that I can't remember the exact sort of lead up to it, but there's a point where uh, Ares threw Neville into the barricade, but he went like face first, and he literally just like pancaked into it. It was brilliant, like literally just like face first, like tucked his arms in hit the barricade and just fell back. It was just, it was just such a simple thing, but I was like, yeah, fair play. You've done that really well. Um, and obviously you touched upon like the, the red arrow, like to the back, like just a tiny little thing like that. The fact that he'd landed on his back just made for some, for some reason made it feel even more significant and like more brutal, which adds to the kind of storytelling of him then putting him, in the the rings of Saturn, and as you say, kind of the the look at the ref, just like I can't carry on, sort of thing, um, was brilliant. There was um, 
and there was two two points where Ares just completely ate shit. Like there's one bit where he, oh God, he uh, he came off the top rope and Neville just moved out of the way and he just obviously landed on his on his face and then he went to do the that kind of middle rope suicide dive that he does and Neville rolled out of the way and again he just completely fell oh, yeah. flat on his ass. And at first I, I thought that was a botch, but then obviously like what happened next was kind of part of the story. Um, and I just thought, like, as you mentioned, kind of like these guys can, can for me, go forever. And I, I I kind of now hope they do do like an Iron Man match because I think that would be the perfect kind of ending of this story. And you, you almost essentially put everything that these guys can do into one neat little package almost so I think having these guys elevate has elevated 205 um, as you mentioned the whole thing with TJ Perkins that's I, I'm a little bit bored with T, TJ like, I do like him but I think he needs to kind of step away from, from that title picture but then again there's so, they're still kind of jostling with, with the, all the other guys that are in that division I think for me personally, the next person I'd like to see in line, cause obviously we've seen Jack have his shot. I'd love to see Jack Gallagher and there all day long. But I think the common sense person to now be in that kind of title shot picture would be um, Akira Tozawa because I think he's so over at the moment. Um, and I think him and Neville would, would go really well together because obviously Neville's had his history in Japan. So their styles would, would sort of, fit really well so that's that's my two cents that's who i'd like to see yeah i was i was actually talking about this a few weeks ago with my workmate but um i think whenever they do decide to pull the trigger on tozawa and never i think they'll be absolutely electricity together um uh, both their styles are very kind of you know high impact and fast and i think them two together will be amazing especially as tozawa's are really over face currently in within that division yeah um I think whenever they do decide that, it'd be great. Um, I'm not sure if they will do that very soon, but I feel like it'd be good. I feel like Brian Kendrick's almost um, due a rematch, but he's heel, obviously. I don't think they'll do that. Um, uh, who else? Rich one, no. I don't. I don't think he'll. They'll do any much of him that soon. Um, I could, this is it. There's so many guys in the Cruiserweight Classic who. Supposedly are on like WWE deals who haven't even they haven't even touched really. Um, Cedric Alexander, I don't I don't know if they'll do that. Um, who knows? I think Tazawa's this next safe bet anyway. Yeah. I think that'll be the smartest way going forward if they do not pursue what they do with Aries anymore. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they will probably try something of Aries and also again. Um, it's hard to write that in now that there's been it's been three matches, yeah. um, and this one he lost clean. So um, who knows what they'll do? Um, I I would love to see that match anyway. This Iron Man kind of yeah. tease. I think that'd be really really good. Um, you could you could even write in T.J. Perkins costing Neville the title somehow, and I I still probably enjoy the whole match. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah. Um, this match, so I thought was great anyway. I I, I thought it's um one I think you know one one of the stronger matches on the card and I, I think this is only really pursuing the, the cruiserweight division somewhat better anyway yeah well if we then move on to our our main event and i think 
well for me personally this kind of made the the pay-per-view it was for me the match of the night um the fatal five way to determine who would have a shot at brock lesnar's universal title at uh great great balls of fire on yeah 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 that's the one (laughs) (laughs) um even though there was five guys and there were quite a few like good spots it showcased everyone which i was really happy with like my worry going into this was because of that they built Finn really well, so and obviously they love Roman. So for me, it was I was worried it was going to be the Finn and Roman show, but every single guy had their opportunity, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, Roman still looked strong, which was inevitable. Finn looked incredible in his first kind of big outing since his return. Bray, who has kind of obviously just kind of come into the fray of things over in Raw, maybe out of the five looked the weakest, but I'm a massive Bray Wyatt mark. I'm always going to love him. And I think that we'll get into obviously the bits and pieces of it, of what he did in the match a little bit later, but I thought he did really well. Seth, again, maybe not one of the strongest ones, but showcased this kind of new side of him that's kind of come out of the whole kind of Kingslayer gimmick and Samoa Joe just looking like an absolute monster throughout. I thought this match had everything that it needed to and was the the ending, obviously we'll get into the specifics of it a little bit later, but for me the ending was perfect and I actually had a bit of a Twitter argument with someone about this um, because they said... <laughs> They said that Joe didn't deserve to win, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" But yeah, um, I loved this match. So, what what did you think? Yeah, I pretty much bang on what you said. I feel like everyone got their stuff in. This is a fantastic match. Um, she really showcased everyone, especially the top guys on Raw. Um, as a whole, I think it was outstanding. Really loved what what went on here. Um, you know. It was, um, I was worried, um, jump, you know, there was, there was some, there was bits and bits I was worried about, like with, um, some of the guys here, I thought some guys weren't necessarily going to get the rub they needed in this match. And I feel like they wouldn't have really showcased what they could have done. But, you know, I, I feel like you're right in the sense, everyone kind of got their stuff in There's some really big, it was a bit of a spot fest this match, but I thought it was fantastic. Um, some really good psychology, uh, and I know that's very hard to do in a five-way, um, but I think everyone kind of had a great story told here. Um, you know, straight from the off, we saw everyone stumble out the ring, and then we see Reigns just stood in the centre. I thought that was fantastic uh, healing, and no matter what you say now, Reigns is a hill. Like, people were saying, I'll turn him hill. He is a hill. Yeah. <laughs> He is now, like, people, there's no arguing. I'm afraid he is, okay? Um, and it's great. I think they're doing the right thing with Reigns at the moment. Um, and then one by one, people start clambering in. Reigns is just knocking them down. Like, uh, people could say he's squashing these guys, but I think, you know, considering he is now pushed, I'm just, com- I'm now getting comfortable with the fact he's just pushed as this, um, the, the strongest guy in the, on the roster, you know? Yeah. And um, I think him just swatting people down as they clamber in is just great, especially with the hill dynamic. Um, I love the little coalition between uh, 
Wyatt and Joe as well. <laughs> it was, it was, was so fun. good. Um, I'd love like the bit when Bray just turns away for a split second and Joe thinks about going in for the pin for Bray just to turn around and c- catch him out almost. Yeah. I think that was really cl- fun storytelling, really clever. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. Um, I liked Balor stomping holes in everyone. Uh, that was quite fun. Uh, I don't think uh, the thing. I think a lot of people are concerned because of Balor. You know, he's a, he's a smaller fella out of everyone in this match, and people were worried he was going to look like the weak fella in this one. But yeah. I think I think that came across. He still came across really strong here. Um, I think I don't think the result with the result. I don't think. You know, I don't think we're going to see... I don't think it makes him look worse off. That's what I'm trying to say anyway. No, no. Um, and I think the the way that it kind of ended, that he didn't tap, he passed out, that that yeah. obviously keeps him strong, in my opinion. Yeah, no, completely. I think I think that was a completely sensible thing for them to do at the very end. So let me pull the trigger there with that. Um, yeah. No, I, I was surprised for them to see that actually. Like, um, consi- I, you know, I think a lot of predictions going into this, people was going to say it was either going to be Rollins or, um, or mostly Finn was favoured to win yeah. this. Um, but if he was going to take the fall and be that guy, and there to be a good swerve finish, I think this was perfect um, for that finish. Anyway, um, I mean, going back through the match as well, we also saw like some really nice spots from Joe. Um, he, I think it was uh, he knocked Reigns out mid drive by. Yeah, yeah, that was which looked, brilliant. Which looked awesome. Uh, and then I don't know if this is just um, them trolling the fans now, but Reigns not selling the buckle bomb at all and just hitting like <laughs> yeah. a Superman punch out of it straight away. He does, he's done that now twice, uh, like within the week, um, which is which is quite a weird spot to see. I think I think them I think they might be ribbing the fans with that yeah. one. But uh, and then we obviously we saw that huge splash. Uh, through the table from Seth Rollins to Wyatt. I thought that looked amazing. Um, just before that, we saw uh, the three guys get speared through the, um, yeah. the through the through the um, timekeeper's area, which was great. And then obviously, immediately following that is when we saw this great finish where Finn looked like he was about to kind of get the win. Uh, and then out of nowhere, we see Joe, we get swerved, and then we saw that great pass-out spot with the coquina clutch, and I thought that was great. I thought it was the best way to end this match. As a whole, I thought it was really solid, really. I think, yeah, as you say, because most people kind of buzzing around like thought that, that Finn was probably the, the odds-on favourite, but I, I can't remember for the life of me who said it, but somebody said that um, like bookmakers had stopped ma- taking bets on Joe, which obviously... Wow. That, yeah, so, that, so obviously now, like, in hindsight, it all kind of makes sense but for me like joe was never winning this in I, I i would i'd like my prediction going in was that i'd love to have seen him win but i didn't think he was going to but as as you mentioned i think the way that it was cuz i think the way the building finn is the fact it's kind of like that that the coup de gras is going to be something that's a move that people don't kick out of and things like that. It's going to be one of those finishes that when someone does kick out of it, it's going to be a massive shock and all this sort of thing. So the fact that he was, it wasn't someone kicking out of it. It was literally Joe dragging him out of the pin into the Kokida clutch was a really subtle way of saying like, okay, yeah, you hit your finisher, but we're still not going to give you that opportunity kind of thing. 
Um, going back on a few spots, you've kind of touched on, on most of the ones that I wanted to, but obviously we, we mentioned Joe and Bray's kind of uh, partnership and the, the going around the, the ring with the stairs just taking everyone out was just <laughs> yeah. pure genius. Um, and again, again, like watching it live and looking through Twitter, loads of people were like, put these two as a tag team, do it and everything, which... I kind of would like to see, but at the same time, leave them be on their own. But um, as you mentioned, obviously the spear through the barricade, the the massive sort of table spot from from Seth. But one spot that I really liked, which was kind of more subtle, was um, when Joe and Bray were still kind of in their little uh, collusion, when Bray introduced the chair and they were just kind of doing the, the sentons on on Balor, which I thought, like... Oh, yeah. I know it's a really little thing, but just to see two guys just wailing on someone like Finn was, I thought, was was really good, and it kind of told the story that these are the two big monster kind of guys in this match. Um, So I thought that was really good. Um, Going back on the thing that you said about turning Reigns heel... I'm not sure if you noticed it, but like every kind of tiny little shot that someone had at Reigns, they were they were cheering. So it's it's one of those weird things. Like I've I'm kind of with you. Like I've kind of got to that point where I accept that this is who Reigns is. Like you can boo him all you want and whatever, but he's he's in that position for a reason. And I'm fine with that now. I think, like, there's, there's obviously later down the line, there's still going to be points where, as wrestling fans, they're going to do something with Roman Reigns and it's going to piss people off. As we saw, we've seen for the last 10 years with John Cena, it was the exact same thing. But I I genuinely think Reigns is a good guy in those bigger matches. And we've, we've said on, on this podcast that he performs in in big matches, and okay, okay, he didn't really have that much to do in because of the multi man magnitude of this match, but he still did his spots. He still did what he needed to do in this match, and I think of I think the obvious thing is that they're going to build to to Reigns Brock at Mania for next year, um, but yeah, I, I've I'm happy with the positioning positioning of Reigns if they turn him heel quote unquote then yeah fine but they don't need to he's he's doing it by himself and they like what they've got with him as a character works i think yeah and i think this is what was favored when he was in the shield was what what worked best for him was he was the badass he didn't have to say anything or followed by anyone's rules and he just beat people up and that's why people liked reigns back then you know and i think it's taken them long enough to realise that, but that's what he's best at. And um, there doesn't have to be that big Hilton that everyone wants, because I think he's well, it does need to happen now. But, um, uh, you know, keep him doing this stuff. I think it's the most sensible thing they can do. Just um, he's embracing the hate, but he's still got his supporters there because he hasn't done that big swerve, yeah. outlandish action on anyone yet. Do you know what I mean? Uh, all he's done was beat the Undertaker, which is obviously um, uh, people dislike him for that. But that's not a hilton. That's just him winning a fight, <laughs> yeah. you know. 
So, um, I mean, the kids still love him. Like they've 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 gone along this path with him being the, the face, but then becoming this badass. I don't think they've necessarily noticed that, especially with the families. So he's still got his young supporters there. He still flogged the merch, and he's still loved by them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, um. I think this is perfect what he's doing now. You know, it's still uh, he's still a massive heat magnet for the Smarks, but um, I I I I enjoy watching him like this. You know, it's not, I don't hate it. I don't feel like it's, you know, I think they they could basically what they're building for at the moment with him is the, this rumored match with Lesnar next year at Mania. Um, uh, so you know, I think they they along that road they're gonna make him look stronger and stuff. But um, this kind of match, he can get away with not taking the fall. Yeah. Over. Um, was it? Was did he? He was the guy who got the um, coup de grace off of um, Balor, wasn't he? In this match, can't remember now. He took that. No, um, no, I think it was Wyatt. Or was it? Oh, it was Wyatt. Sorry, yeah. no, you're right. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like what they're doing. But yeah. like, um, you know, if I again, if their long term plan was for them to do Joe, sorry, um, Lesnar and Reigns, then it makes sense for Joe to kind of be next in line for the title as a nice surprising swerve yeah I don't think this will be a long feud with Lesnar and Joe but I think this is a dream match they get to finally pull the trigger on and no, I think no one really expected to see it either mm. so I'm so glad they are I think it's going to be amazing and it's going to bring a massive heavyweight fight feel back to like the main event spot of wrestling um, so um, they, I think it'll be uh, you know probably over the top brutal match that they're going to put on Joe and Lesnar so I'm just so excited for that and I'm glad they've given it to Joe as well um, arguably he's had a shaky kind of coming up to the main roster coming in just before Mania obviously a lot of people have got their spots on the card for Mania and it was hard for Joe to fit in there um, but arguably he's now you know, in the biggest money match possible in the shortest amount of time ever. Do you know what I mean? Coming up yeah. from NXT. So um, I think this is a huge push for him. And um, it's only going to make him more valuable asset to WWE. You know, um, I think they're going to tear the house down with Lesnar. Well, that's, that was kind of going to be my, my next sort of line of questioning is obviously we, we all know how good Samoa Joe is. And we know, obviously... Well, we know that Lesnar can go, but he's he's shown his limitations in the last couple of years. Whether it's through him being reluctant to to put in the work ethic or whatever people want to call it, um, but I think because he's been a, a minus takeaway Cena and to an extent the Undertaker, but Undertaker's different because of his age. But Lesnar hasn't really been against anyone that's kind of the same sort of physical dominance as him um so do you think that we'll get a a match out of these two or will it just be them wailing on each other because can we really see lesnar just suplexing joe over and over again like i don't want to see that i want to see the like i want to see them like almost not have a kind of like a ufc style fight i don't i want to see a fight rather than Lesnar just chucking a guy around, basically. Yeah, I mean, this is it. They could... Um, I think they'll t- tell the story of it being a one-on-one match. But I think we saw a lot of, like, 
brawling and submission submission stuff, I think we could see an absolute fucking rager with yeah. um Joe and uh, Joe and uh, Lesnar. Um, I think they could. I don't think they necessarily have to put a slip stipulation on that. But if they work the match in that way, I think it would be amazing. You know, um, like yeah, my criticism would be the same to him. Where past few years, if you look at what Lesnar's done. I think the last great Lesnar match I saw, in terms of wrestling capability, anyway, you could argue Survivor Series is great. I loved it anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah. uh, if you if you look at the last time Brock had a great wrestling match, I think it was probably with his stuff with Undertaker. That was coming up two years ago now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, uh, yeah, no, because I guess what Helena Cell was the last Undertaker match he had with him. Oh yeah, um, gods. That was, I think that was the last good showcase from Brock we saw as yeah. an athlete and a wrestler. Um, Mania last year, the Ambrose match was boring. Um, we saw, I guess, the Randy Orton match in summer last year, which I didn't enjoy, to be honest. No. It's a bit, of a bit split, split down the middle, that match. Like A lot of people like that one, but I, I didn't really like it. I think it ended too short. And I just want to see more from Lesnar at this point, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah I do as well. And obviously, since then, he's turned up on Raw for like five minute segments, and then he'll have he had his like short matches with Lesnar. He was in the Rumble, but that's it. Like this is it. I'm seeing a great wrestling match from Lesnar, and I I think he's comfortable with making the most money in the company, but working the least. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not against guys like you know part timers doing that. I just want to see. Yeah, I would like. You know, even about four big matches, I would like to see more of that. I just hope the Joe match doesn't last ten minutes. It's a lot of suplexing and that's it. You know, yeah. um, I think they, Joe deserves getting his stuff in, especially they could have a big star on their hands here. So, um, I'm hoping they do a, a, a actual wrestling match. I think with Joe, and I think they, they probably will. I'm just obviously there's that concern in the back of my mind. They'll just squash him. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was Extreme Rules. Um, as always, we'll go with what our, our main highlight of of the pay-per-view was. Um, I've already touched upon it on what happened during the match, but I, I loved seeing Austin Aries just eat shit during the, the Cruiserweight match. <laughs> like, I don't know, there was just something like, seeing him do that, that suicide dive and just completely miss, there was something really satisfying about it. Like, And the fact that he didn't, he didn't back out of it. He like fully committed. So I think that's that's credit to to Austin Aries that he was fully invested in in doing that spot and just taking that that hit for for the performance. So that yeah, that that was my highlight. What about yours, Callan? <laughs> I was going to say Austin um, in that um, spot. You could, you could tell he fully committed to it. I was about to say that. Um, but my personal favorite was uh, actually Elias Sampson. Okay. Uh, um, calling Baltimore, and I quote, Baltimore is bathed in filth. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And the best hill moment of the whole show. I think that was uh, by far the best bit. Perfect. Well, there we go. Um, Callan, thank you very much once again for joining me. Um, next time we will have uh, Money in the Bank and the first ever women's Money in the Bank match, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, I'm very excited to see that. I'm very much looking forward to that pay for you as well. Yeah, but um, no, Callan, it's nearly 1am. on. on yep. So I'm going to let you go, let you get, get some sleep. 
Um, oh, I can watch Monday Night Raw. Yeah, oh, great well, news. There you go. <laughs> Look at the timing. <laughs> um, but yeah, back thank you. Back. Thank you very much again, Callan, and I'll catch you very soon. All right, mate. Yeah, lovely. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Take it easy. <laughs> catch you later, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. folks two total changes and a new number one contender in Samoa Joe uh, as mentioned in the chat the main event kind of saved the show for me like it was it was a pretty decent uh, pay-per-view but lacked in places but got better as as things kind of went on but the, the main event was an awesome awesome match and kind of showcased everyone that was involved in it um, let us know what you thought of the event uh, you can tweet us at just underscore and underscore insight uh, using hashtag J-A-O pod and um, always love to hear what your views are on these kind of things um, we will be back as always next week um, and our guests will be Kettering Three Priests uh, Let It Die this is an episode which I'm really excited to, to share with you guys so yeah keep an eye out for that one coming next Tuesday uh, but as I said it's really late well slash early I'm really tired need to get up early tomorrow morning so I'm going to sign off now um, so for now ladies and gentlemen thank you again for joining me on the Justin Insight podcast and I will see you soon.